Hi, this is Brett and welcome to Optimize. On today's episode, I want to share with you the $497 refund that taught me the power of influence. So the big question is, how are entrepreneurs like us who have too much to do and too little time able to build both the business and the life of our dreams? That's the question. And on this podcast, we'll explore the journey to the answer. My name is Brett Ingram and welcome to Optimize. Okay, so the year was about 2010. And at that time, the internet marketing or digital marketing space was sort of a little bit of the Wild West. It was growing really, really quickly. So it was almost like the gold rush. But at the same time, there were very, you know, um, sporadic tools and and sort of uh, platforms that you could use. A lot of it was sort of roll your own, figure it out as you go. And so... I had actually created a product that was, uh, I was marketing at a little bit higher end. I had done a lot of, you know, cheap stuff that I was selling, guides and eBooks and things like that. And I wanted to really move into a different market space. You know, there were some guys in the industry that were doing, you know, seven figure launches in a day, two days, three days. And that's obviously what what I was trying to get to. So I had created a, a product that was a little higher end. And it was basically going to be a done-for-you traffic site, right? The idea was we would, uh, the customer would pick a variety of options and we would set up the site for them with all the customizations. A lot of people didn't have any technical skill, so we had a team of people that were prepared to do this. And it's a great value-add service because even if you gave people the software, a lot of them wouldn't be able to do it. So... What I did was I basically built it on a platform that uh, the membership site platform and the membership site platform was released um, shortly before that by a guy named Mike Philsame. Now he was at the time um, one of the top, top, you know, gurus in the space, if you want to call them that, you know, he had very high name recognition. Everybody knew who this guy was. And, um, you know, he, he and a few other people sort of moved that market. You know, uh, when they did launches, everybody paid attention. Um, everybody jumped on it the minute that things went live and they would sell like crazy. So they would always do these seven figure launches. So what I wanted to do was sort of leverage that. I knew that, you know, my product was good and I had developed a little bit of a reputation, but I didn't have the kind of credibility that some of the guys in the industry did. So I figured the best way to sell this was to try to get other people on board that I thought had more credibility than I did. And so um, one of the partners I was able to actually get was Mike himself. I I was able to, to work with him and say, you know, look, I've created this as a value add to the platform that you made. You know, he was the first guy to really come out with a big platform that allowed people to make membership sites and websites really easily. Prior to that, you had to pay people to set that stuff up for you. And that was a real barrier to entry. Not many people were launching products and creating websites because it was really difficult. Now there's a hundred tools, you click a few buttons and you've got a site. But back then there really weren't. And he created kind of the first real platform. So I built this on that platform. And what I wanted to do is sort of leverage that. And so when I was in the process of getting ready to do the launch, one of the things that, um, that I did was I tried to connect with him 
and get him on board to understand that, look, what I was making was going to be not only good for, for me, obviously, but good for customers and good for his membership base because it was gonna be something that they could all use and they were already familiar with the interface and it would just widen his um, you know, frame of, frame of influence also. And so the funny part of the story is we get to the point that we're gonna do the launch and it's a $497 product. And so we launched the product and it does really, really well. Um, Mike mails it a few times and you know he makes a bunch of sales. A lot of people made a bunch of sales. We gave away like Super Bowl tickets and you know tens of thousands of dollars in prizes. It did really, really well. So I was super happy. I was you know super proud. But the point of the story is that about 30 days later, um, at the time we had a little bit of a phone support desk in addition to a regular email. And on this particular day, um, I was actually, you know, checking the voicemails. And so I go in and I check voicemail and I got this message from a guy in the Midwest. Um, I don't recall his name. I don't remember exactly where he was from. But the message went something to the effect of, I have a $497 charge on my card. And this is the phone number that's attached to it. Can someone please give me a call back? Uh, because I don't, you know, I, I need a refund or whatever. So my initial instinct was, okay, you know, he, he doesn't recognize it, makes total sense. You see a big charge like that on your card, you're going to panic a little bit and you're going to want to get it resolved and certainly get it removed if it's, if it's fraudulent or whatever. So um, it, we, were, we were at a point where it was a little bit of a lull, so I was actually making some calls myself. So I returned the guy's call. And uh, we have a nice little conversation. And he says to me, you know, I don't recognize this charge. I said, oh, well, that's real simple. It's my traffic business. It's the software where we create the site for you and everything else. And he goes, huh. He goes, I don't, I don't recognize that name. He said, um, I, don't, I, I don't ever remember buying this. And I said, well, um, I mean, you know, there, we have no other way of of making the charge for you and you know we have the IP address and all these other things and stuff like that so we we talk and we sort of go around in circles a little bit he's a little bit confused I'm a little confused because I'm trying to figure out you know sometimes people buy something and then they just want their money back or they change their mind but it didn't sound like he was disgruntled or upset or anything else he sounded like he was legitimately confused and trying to figure out what this where this purchase came from so I forget how it comes up, but at some point in the conversation, I mentioned the fact, maybe I looked up his record and I saw that the affiliate that he bought through their link was Mike Vilsane. So I mentioned that to him and he says, oh, he says, oh yeah, I remember now. He goes, um, to be honest, I didn't even know what the product was, but I got an email from Mike saying this was pretty good. So I just clicked through and bought it. So think about the power of that for a second. Here's a guy that doesn't know me. He doesn't know my product. He doesn't even know what it is after he's bought it. He spent $497 and he did it solely because the marketer who he believed in or had influence over him or whatever that he followed told him it was good to go buy this. He didn't like open it. He didn't have a, 
website created for him. He never followed through on any of it. When the card charge appeared on his statement, that's the only time that he even recognized it. And this, by the way, is not an isolated incident. This is a specific example I'm sharing with you because I remember it so vividly because I was the one on the phone with the guy. And I remember how confusing it was for both of us. And we're trying to figure out how we could have done this while at the same time not remember it. And that's when all the dots connected. And the thing for me, the big aha for me for that was this guy had so much influence over someone he's never even met that he was able to send an email out and get that guy to click on a link and, and pull out his credit card and spend $497 without even knowing what it was. Imagine, just think of how powerful that is. Think about the, you know, what the implications of that are. And then the important lesson that goes into it, and this is the thing that I took from it, and hopefully you will too. The fact of the matter is, you can build sales letters and you can use copy techniques and you can try to use different um, strategies and tactics to, to, you know, ethically force people to buy or, you know, whatever sort of other mechanisms there are and, and exit pop tools and things like that, all these conversion increasing things and, you know, colorful emotional language and all that. And all that stuff is great if it's ethical, but the fact of the matter is nothing is more powerful than just having a relationship to an extent that somebody believes so much in what you do and who you are that they're willing to sight unseen without even reading a sales page, pull out their credit card and spend money for you or with you. And so the, the, the important takeaway from that is whatever industry you're in, whatever marketing you're doing, whatever your customer base or your audience is, it's super important to, even if you're focused on transactional elements because you need to make sales and I understand all that and you're not going to be able to just go with a big branding approach that takes you a year to build a relationship, totally understandable. But it's super important that you balance the two and that what you're doing on the one hand is that you're trying to build credibility, build an image, build a brand in a way that people resonate with that. And so you are able to have longevity because sales tactics will change. Things will get saturated. Products and markets will come and go. There will be fads. But if you have a following, if you have a base that's loyal to you and loves what you stand for, what you do, what you offer them, you can always adapt what you're doing to fit the situation and still be successful and still serve people and still be rewarded for serving them as opposed to trying to chase the buck wherever it seems like there's a hot niche. And so it's a super powerful lesson and that's just one tiny example. But the fact is if you sort of extrapolate that out and you realize what the implications are for that, you know, the idea is you want to build that sort of relationship with people where they want everything that you have to offer, where they want to be, um, you know, in, in your circle. They want, you know, to, to hear what you have to say, to buy what you have to offer and to learn from you and grow and 
develop. And hopefully you can serve them in a way that makes them better for doing it also. Then everybody wins. And that's something that's sustainable over the long term. That's sustainable no matter what happens in the industry, the economy, the market, whatever the case may be. So it's a super powerful lesson that I learned in a really funny way, but hopefully you can take the same lesson from it also. Until next time, as always, no matter what it is that you want in your business and your life, don't compromise, optimize.